Um, so we're in Matthew chapter 10. Um, what's the prevailing thought that goes through my mind uh, as we, th- this is definitely a transitional chapter in the ministry of Jesus. And the thought that is prevalent in my mind is Jesus is going to ask us to do things that we don't necessarily feel like doing. Jesus will ask me and you to do things that we do not necessarily feel like doing. Right. I I, I know what sounds better is, man, when your heart gets right, then go and do it. When you feel like doing it, that means that Jesus has endorsed what you're doing. Except experientially and biblically, I know for a fact that God will ask me and ask you to do things I don't feel like doing. And the transition here is very interesting in the ministry of Jesus. He's gone from chapter 4 of Matthew where he said, guys, come and follow me. And it's almost been a little bit of an individualistic kind of teaching. Although he's had groups of people following him, it's very much he started out with this idea of if you're going to help anyone else, you better start following me personally from the inside out. You've got to let me change you. You've got to be able to be influenced by Jesus. And he's kind of talking just individualistically. And there's a shift because now he's going to start building community. He's going to start teaching us. He's going to start teaching his followers. Now, how do we take those initial teachings and begin to start using those in community? Wouldn't it be easier to follow Jesus if you didn't have to be around other people? (laughs) I mean, to a certain degree, I mean, we know relationally we would go, no, no, no. I like my friends. I like the encouragement. I like all that. But the truth of the matter is, is people tend to mess our lives up, right? They get in the way. They're messy. People are messy. Wouldn't it be better, though, if we could just, like, create, like, uniformity among people? Like, like you cannot come and be a part of us until you uniformly do everything we tell you to do. Wouldn't that fix all the problems? That would fix all the problems, wouldn't it? No, it wouldn't fix all the problems. It would just create a group of weird people that are worshiping things that Jesus didn't tell us to worship. Okay? But he's saying, no, no, you come and follow me. And of the people following Jesus, you want to know what's interesting is, is they were anything but uniform. They were anything but the same. They were people that came from different backgrounds. As the group grew larger, there were people that grew up in different types of families, in different types of households, with different types of things. Different. We know this experientially. If we were to just take this small group here and had everybody share the last 10 years of your life, Everyone in here would uniquely have, some of you would have had 10 years of complete and utter bliss, right? Like nothing bad happened, no tragedy happened, nothing. And and you'd just be like, life is great, and why isn't everybody happy all the time? And then you may tell your 10-year story and go, you know what? In the last 10 years, I have found there's been tragedy and pain and illness and all of these things. And what's crazy is Jesus saying, like, all of that, come and follow me. And you want to know what is, is you're kind of the community is tough because in the community, it's like there's different speeds too. there just is different speeds. There's this idea of depending on what my decade look like. You want to know what it might be a little more difficult, but that doesn't mean I'm not committed to going in the direction of Jesus. 
and you may have had 10 years of complete like life couldn't be better i mean the worst thing that happened to you is you didn't get to go to disney world last year or something you know and you're just like and, and you're wondering why everybody else can't just get it together like what's y'all's problem right and that's what messes up community we're going to see jesus begin to like say okay now here's how my people will follow me and here's how you will be in community and here's how you will bear with one another and quite honestly this may be the turn of his ministry that may challenge some of us more than any other part of his ministry because whether we want to or not we want we yearn for oftentimes uniformity like if the church could, we honestly believe that the church will get to a place at some point where every Christian is sinless, strong, like no one's weak, no one's tempted, no one's sinning. Everybody does everything to the exact perfect methodology of Jesus. And that's what we're shooting for on this earth, right? Isn't that what the goal is on this planet? That's not the goal. The, the goal isn't how can we create, like in my own, create this perfect uniform thing. You know what our goal is? How can God be glorified? Yeah. That's the goal. And I think I fear that when our goal is how can we have a legalistically, righteously perfect on the outside looking group of people, then all of a sudden we've stopped doing the ministry of Jesus. Because then it's like now you have to go through all kinds of like hoops before you can be part of this imperfect community. Right? Because we want to be perfect looking. And Jesus is going to go, it's not going to be perfect looking. But the, but the, but it remain, but the fact remains, Jesus is saying, follow me. You can go through hard times in your life. And it can be messy looking and you're still following Jesus. Okay. It, that, that can happen. Some of y'all have been around a while. You know that can happen. Is it, man, it can be messy. And I still wake up every day going, Jesus, I am following you. Okay? And, and then at the end of the day, you're going, what the heck is my problem? Okay? If you've been around long enough, you know that is true. Okay? And Jesus is doing this. Now, here's one of the things he starts out doing, though. He says, God, I'm going to send my people out. Okay? Remember last week we talked to Matthew 9. He says, uh, man, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then he just says, hey, pray. Pray. Do that. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send workers into his field. Okay? And we talked last week about workers. We're not talking about the nine to five working that sometimes Christianity can seem like, which is like, oh, man, unless I'm punching the clock and totally miserable, I'm not really doing what Jesus wants me to do. Right? He's saying, no, no, you're doing God's work. Okay, but he simply said this, pray. How many of us did that? If you were here last week and you heard that, did you just go, I, I believe you that the harvest is plentiful and I'm going to pray for workers. How, how, did that happen? I want you to think about that. Did that happen? Are you open? Are you even open to being influenced by the word of God? To where when Jesus says something, you're like, oh, no, nah, that's for the beginners. That's for someone else. I've got my idea together, okay? And then in Matthew 10, he gets his people together. And he says, listen, here's what I'm going to do. Um, in verse 5, Jesus sent out, he, he actually appointed his 12 apostles. After giving them instructions, he sent them out. He says, don't take the road leading to other nations. 
Don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, announce this. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with skin diseases, drive out demons. You have received free of charge. Give free of charge. Don't take along gold or silver or copper for your money belts. Don't take a traveling bag for the road or an extra shirt, sandals, or a walking stick, for the worker is worthy of his food. When you enter any town or village, find out who is worthy and stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you enter it, and if the household is worthy, let your peace be on it. But if it's unworthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. I assure you it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. What is the most recognizable part of that verse to you? Which scripture have you heard maybe most often from those 15 or 10 verses? Shake the dust off. You don't know what that to me, I, I agree that when I read this, that's the thing I go, you know what? That's the only part of that verse I think I've ever used. And you know what? That's sad to me. I've been a disciple for 20 years. And to look at that verse as a follower of Jesus and to only use that portion is quite honestly an embarrassment to me. It's embarrassing that that's what I have taken in the ministry of Jesus and that I would feel most righteous in using on somebody. Because it means what? For sure, we, we know it means what? What, what would you say? Because I know a lot of you guys, India answered the question, but a lot of y'all are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that part. Shake the dust off. Because it means what? And I'm not even asking for the right answer. I'm asking for the answer that's in your head. Right. Hey, you want to know what? I'm right and you're wrong. And God has just given me permission to dust you off. Right. What else does it mean to you? In your head, what does it mean? I, I know we're, we're perfect. I know that. But I mean, just humor me for a minute. Right. Here's the funny thing about it. I've shared this story with you guys before. Is I, There were two people I remember. It. I went to Fresno State University. The real Bulldogs of America. 2008 national champs. They did beat Georgia Bulldogs in baseball. I'm just saying. Uh, so, you know, we can go anywhere with that one. But I am saying when I was at Fresno State, I had no interest whatsoever in being a Christian. None. Now, I went to church. Don't get me wrong. I went to church. I did not want to go to hell. Okay, but really we've established in Jesus' world, not wanting to go to hell does not equal being a Christian, okay? So certainly I didn't want to go to hell. But I wanted to have a lot of fun and then ask for a ton of forgiveness so I could both have fun and go to heaven at the same time, right? I wanted both of those things. And what was interesting was there were two people. I was an athletic trainer uh, in the athletic department there. And there were two athletes that I distinctly remember to this day. So this was back in like 93, 94. I mean, it was a couple years ago. 
So it's not like it was a couple years ago. Right. And so I remember distinctly two athletes. It was, baseball, or it was a basketball player and a tennis player, a guy and a girl. And, uh, I, again, I had no interest. And uh, they would come in the training room, and I, what I remember of them to this day is they were exceptionally joyful. They, were, they, they embodied what you shared. Kristen is they didn't everything didn't go their way but they chose to look at things faithfully and positively I remember this as somebody that did not want to become a Christian I didn't want the lifestyle that they were necessarily living you know they were good being with who they who they were like they were comfortable in their own skin and I remember you know that they would man I was I was foul mouth just unholy I mean you name I was just that guy I think you would probably like me I was like a good guy but I was just disrespectful and filthy and all of these things and you want to know what I remember for years I knew those folks continually reached out to me they you want to know what I never felt like they were making fun of me I never felt like they were looking down on me I know, they knew that I didn't want to go into their Bible study. They knew that I didn't want to go to their church. They knew I didn't want all of those things. And you know what they didn't do? They didn't shake me off. Because I'll tell you, if I would have heard that, that's all I would have needed to hear from them. Is, oh, you're going to not want to do what we want you to do? I'm going to shake your dust on my clothes. Does that sound... Really? Does that sound good to you? I mean, does it even sound like Jesus to you? Where you're going to your dust on my clothes, it shouldn't be there. And it was really funny in this whole weird circle of events from California, when we were in Florida, that girl who was reaching out to me, her niece came out to church and visited with the campus ministry. She was a soccer player at Florida State. And in the fellowship, we were talking, and, and, and she was like, oh, my aunt went to Fresno State, and, and all, that was, it just all came back, but she was, you know, filling me in on all the, it would just blew my mind just about how this whole thing came full circle here, okay? Um, and why I say that is because I think that this is what we do, is, and I do this, I've done this, I don't want to do this anymore, is this idea of who can I feel really righteous about shaking the dust off? I'm going to ask us to, like, remove that. Like, let's think differently about that. I'm not saying not read that Bible in context. I'm not saying to go, let's not look at that. But let's figure out what that really means. Okay? That what that really means is not the kind of, you know, sassy way we use it. Okay? It isn't this idea of, oh, just get away from me and all this kind of stuff. But it's the idea of Jesus is saying, actually, I'm sending you to a place to go and give and serve. All right. And the thing about this is this section, and we're not going to get into it fully. This section is so much about personal boundaries, which is about here's the deal is, is if you may, I may go to Kristen's house and her family is just like berating me and all that kind of stuff. And the issue is, is like you can leave there in peace. You can leave there and not go, gosh, that is so stuck to me. Like my attitude is so bad towards them. And do you know how they treated me? Have you ever done that before? Like you leave a situation where you may have been mistreated or persecuted or whatever, and it sticks with you for so long. And you keep talking about it, and you're telling your friends about it, and it's giving you a bad attitude. He's saying, listen, dude, after you do what I say, if it's not like reciprocated, you can leave it there. It's not on you. You aren't going to be judged on the last day for that. 
All right. He's saying, let it go because you've got to have this mentality of giving and serving. All right. But he sends them and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go. I want you to go. Go into the towns. Go into these places. All right. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go in and start healing people. I want you to start. Essentially, this whole section right here that he talks about, he says, go in, preach to them. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with skin diseases, drive out demons. Is, there's a way we learn how to do this. We must interact with a community. <laughs> you, you can't just walk into the community and you're like, oh, demon possessed, Emily? Out of that girl. Nick Potter, certainly demon possessed. Out of Nick Potter. You know, I mean, could you imagine what Christianity would look like if, if there was no community? Jesus just said, no, walk through the community, have nothing to do with people outside of like preaching hellfire, like that we take the kingdom of heaven is near to be like screaming it at people, right? Like I'm ready to dust the, you know, get you off of my clothes. And I just, I don't want to interact with you. I just want to heal you. And just go, no, no, actually, I'm going to, I want you to go to the town. And I want you to interact enough to know the needs of the people. Like, you have to have enough conversations with your community that you even know whether that's a demon or not. Or a skin disease. Or whatever it is. Whatever the healing needs to take place. You have to interact with your community. And he says, go and do that. He's beginning the process of, man, I'm sending you to people you don't know to learn to interact with them and chances are you won't feel like doing this but this is really where the rubber meets the road with christianity this is the difference between i want to be a church member or a follower of jesus am i going to do what he asked me to do because this is the pattern that we see for the rest of church history the good part of church history okay not when we got all like wiggly and all that kind of stuff with this i'm talking about like this was it okay a lot of times what ends up happening when we talk about sections like this, we talk about religious activity, right? That's what most of you're used to hearing that about a religious activity to now go and do. <coughs> like an evangelistic method to go and do. Okay. And, and again, I want us to be open enough to redefine the terms that we may be most comfortable with having. Okay. I, I want you to be open enough to do that because Jesus isn't giving a, a method. He's not telling you to go and do a religious activity. He's actually sharing from the beginning of, of nine, chapter 9, verse 37 of last week, or verse 35. He's sharing with us a worldview, which is when Jesus went from town to town, he looked around, he had compassion on people. He said, I have compassion. My heart goes out. It's like a sheep without a shepherd. It's like, man, people are trying to even do the right thing, but they're scared and they're just kind of disorganized and all that kind of stuff. And now that's what he's sending his people into. And he's saying, this is a worldview, not an activity. This is every time you open your eyes in the morning, you're going, this is the lens I want to see the world through. Because I want to see the world through the eyes of Jesus. And I want to interact with the community in order to do the ministry of Jesus. Okay, that's what he's telling them to do. I want you to think, is that the method you use? When you wake up in the morning, do you think, man, okay, this is the worldview I look at is, I want to interact with the community to meet needs and to serve. And I'm actually, when I leave here, I'm going to interact with people I don't know. Like, I'm going to try to meet those needs of people. I'm going to go and go to this place, whether it's a classroom, a campus, a workplace, a neighborhood, whatever it is. 
right? Jesus is saying, go and do this, but there are some barriers, too, to this, okay? And there's a few, but I want to hear yours. Like, what are the barriers that come up in your mind? Like, I wrote down for me five barriers, okay? But what would be a barrier that you would go, what would keep me kind of like just stuck or preventing me from just going, you know what, this is the worldview I'm going to take. Not a religious activity, but how I view the world. What's a barrier that you can think of? How so would it be pride? I think you're, I think you're hitting the nail on the head, but in what specific way? Your pride how? Than that person, yeah, Yeah. of someone who was clearly wrong. Yeah, right, (laughs) right. That's true. It's like, listen, I want to go and do this, but only to people I'm completely right with, and who know they're completely wrong. And then I can, you know, do that instead of going, "Whoa, hold on a minute." How many people did these guys go through in a community where they're going, "Hold on, what would Jesus tell us to do?" Like. Oh, he, he, remember, he told us to go meet needs and to serve, not like interview everybody on their attitude first, right? Excellent. What's a barrier for you? It, we all have them, so, you know. Uh, for me, it's, it's been, and I'm working on getting over it, but um, just other people's um, religious doctrines that they have, that they're entrenched in, mm-hmm. that um, make them seem inaccessible mm-hmm. from a human standpoint. Yeah. yeah. That's really great because it's funny. Jesus sent these guys. To, you think any of the Israelites were entrenched in a doctrine that wasn't absolutely correct? <laughs> Isn't that funny how Jesus, that what Jesus did is some of the things that keep us. He's going, no, 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 go to Israel. Almost chuckling as he says it, you know, to a certain degree. Oh, yeah, go to, go to your brothers. <laughs> you know, yeah, what's a barrier? Um, for me, it's like uh, probably just I think of all the things that I need to get done throughout the day those things I like as I'm doing them I completely think about the needs and like what needs to have like the needs that need to be met just around the people because I'm so mm-hmm. kind of concerned of the things that I need to get done today yeah excellent so think about this I want you to think not if you agree or disagree with who everybody else's barriers but what are your barriers I want you to think about that even if you have to go later and go hold on you know for me the things I put down were fear what are people going to think about me? Okay. Some of y'all don't. That's fine with you. You're like, I don't care what people think. That's great. I don't have that. All right. Fear, too busy, overwhelmed, perfectionism, over analysis. 
right? These are my, this is my list right here, okay? And, and again, I mean, I'm not giving you this list so you can either argue for or against those points. I'm just saying this is me, okay? And, and I'm looking at that going, hold on a minute. Here's what I need to bring my mind around. If I'm going to believe Jesus that the harvest is plentiful and he is saying, now go, go do this, okay? And you go, but Keith, in Matthew 13, he doesn't tell us to go. Okay, but we do know in Matthew 28, he says, y'all go, okay? So we know that that is the case. We talked last week about the heart of being sent, of knowing that as we go, that God has sent us. Fear is simple, man. I mean, that's just like, we don't even have to preach about that. I mean, you just got to deal with that, right? Uh, Too busy. I think a lot of us get plagued by this. Here's what I think has happened. We found a lot of different things to argue about in Christianity. Unfortunately, that's become kind of like the the spiritual act of worship. Like, why don't you do it this way? Why don't you do it that way? And why don't we do all that? And there's let's go and find this perfect like system and all that kind of stuff. And I'm saying that that uh, and, and then what we say is, okay, let me find a Christianity that after I do all the things I want to do, then it fits into my schedule. Like, like I want to do all the things I want to do. I want to take all the man all the overtime because I get paid more. I want to go and take the job I want. I want to go do all of these things because my ambition isn't for godliness. My ambition is to get my life situated and happy and then with whatever's left over. And then what ends up happening is we do feel overwhelmed and too busy because we cannot do Christianity in an hour a day. There's no way. We cannot follow our own selfish desires and ambitions and then go, okay, now that I read my Bible, wow, I'm overwhelmed at how busy I am. It's the opposite of that of going, hold on a minute. Let me have some godly ambition. Like, I want to do what God, before I leave this earth, I want to do something for God. I want to be so submitted to God that he uses me, and I don't care if he has to use me, and i got to work at McDonald's. I don't care. This is one of the conversations we had when I left athletic training. There wasn't an athletic training job in, in Tallahassee. And I'm like, no, no, I know for sure God is telling me to stay in Tallahassee. And I said, that means one thing. I may have to work at Chick-fil-A or McDonald's or Burger King with a master's degree. Like, that's a re- that was the reality. And I'm like, okay, that's fine, whatever it takes, because there isn't anything I want to see more in my life than God use me and my brothers and sisters to do his will. Okay? And if we don't, when we lose that, then it's too busy. It's like, hold on a minute. I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. You know, but when we lose that, then it's like I get so busy because I've got to deal with all the stuff I want in life and then try to fit in Christianity into a small place. And then we start going, hold on a minute. Gosh, do we have to have midweek every week? And do we have, gosh, you know, those two hours we spend on Sunday mornings, they just stress me out and all that kind of stuff. I'm going, really? I don't hear people saying that when they're making money. Not until after you've made it. And you're like, oh, my boss is horrible and all this kind of stuff. But, but the truth of the matter is if your boss said, you know, I wonder if the attitude, if that attitude would change. If we said, you know, you could come to church on Sunday mornings for two hours. And if you give your whole heart, you'll get paid $50 an hour. He'd be like, I'm not overwhelmed at all. hundred bucks in two hours? Heck no. That's awesome. Would it change you if we did that? What if we did that for real? 
What did change you? Where you go from, oh, dang, Sundays, I'm, I'm trying to relax and, you know, golly, and it's, you know, corporate gatherings and all this kind of stuff. No, you can make 100 bucks. Really? Did I say overwhelmed? <laughs> can I make communion? <laughs> How can I give back to the church? You know, for real, though, I want you to think about that because I guarantee you it would almost change everyone. If I was paid, I would then be much more positive. Okay? How do you think that flies with Jesus? If we're compensated, and so that's what I'm saying is, is I think we're too busy because we've lost our godly ambition. Okay, I want you to show you something in Romans 15. This kind of just was awesome. I was, reading, I was reading this, and I was like, wow, man. Um, I don't know how many times we're like, I really want to go and do this, but I'm not going to do it because God has a job for me to do. Here's the thing, Romans 15, okay, in in verse 20, Paul is writing to the Roman church, and and he's saying, here's what he says, my aim, he says, is to evangelize where Christ has not been named. That's what Paul says, he's like, that's what I know, I'm going to places that Christ has never been taught, so that I will not build on someone else's foundation, but as it's written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Verse 22, that is why I've been prevented many times from coming to you. But now I no longer have any work to do in these provinces, and I have strongly desired for many years to come to you. He's going, I want to take a trip to stinking Rome so bad. But God has given me a job. And there's a reason I haven't come and seen you yet. My brothers and sisters, was Paul ununified with the Roman Christians? Was he not in unity with them? Because he did not see them for years. He said, I want to see y'all, but God has given me a job. And until I finish that job, I will not come and see you. Have you ever thought about that? Like, man, I want to do this so bad, I'm just going to do it. Instead of going, hold on a minute, has God given you a job to do? Or, or has it just been lost? Like, you don't even think about that anymore. You're like, no, 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 I got a couple hours a day at the end of the workday to kind of do ministry and do it as fast as I can. And people come along slow, and, and we're kind of okay with that and a little overwhelmed. And, and if we just change the methodology and all these kind of things, instead of going, hold, hold on a minute. Paul's like, I ain't going to go over there if I got a job to do. Like, there are people that God has sent me to. That's the cure for being too busy. That's the cure for being too busy is, is there's this, what has God put on you? And the truth of the matter is, is if you live in a dorm or a house or an apartment or the community you live in, that God's going, there's work right there. Like you're there, not because you've messed up and you're not there. And I'm going, how did rich end up over there in that neighborhood? Like what on earth happened? Okay. God is going, no, heck no. The harvest is plentiful. Now get in there. Overanalysis. Here's what overanalysis looks like. Oh, man, I'm going to go and interact with my community, but you know, it doesn't work. It doesn't work if I just invite you to church. And you know what works? It's like relationship works, and then long-term relationship, and then now i got to be your friend. And you get so overanalyzed that at the end of the day, you're like, I'm not friends with anyone. <laughs> because I'm like, I have like a really strong opinion on which method works better. And my thing is, is if you're going, you know what? I don't know what else to do. I'm going to walk over to my neighbor's house and just knock on the door and talk to him. Amen. 
You know, if your over-analytical brother is like, well, you know, that doesn't work. You know what does work? Talking to people. (laughs) When we're not talking to people, we can't build community. When we're not talking with one another, we can't build community. When we aren't interacting with one another. And that's that idea of not even just this idea of going, yeah, when people start doing that to me, then it's going to, the community's going to be better. No, no, no. He's not saying, hey, sit back and wait until you're recipient and then do it. He's saying, no, 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 go do it. And then you'll be a recipient. Isn't that weird how Christianity is? Is, is there's always this like paradox, this, 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 this upside down view of like, hey, no, no, don't sit back and wait. Like you could be sitting here, Brandon's going, well, dang, if Keith was that kind of friend to me, I mean, I'd be, this church would be way better. Okay. And, and it may be, but the truth of the matter is, is what we're called to do. It's like, no, no, don't wait to be a recipient. Go and do this. And then you'll be a recipient. It's better to give than to receive. Okay. And so this is what he's talking about here. So you know, you got to figure out your barrier, okay? And then pray about that and work through that and talk about that. But there's two things, and we're going to finish up with this. There's two quick things I want you to think about. Where is your place of peace, and who is your person of peace? Some of you guys in Matthew 10, your version says what my version says. Go find someone worthy. Go find someone worthy and stay with them, okay? Is most versions, though, translate it, go find a person of peace, Go find your person of peace. Okay? And that per- you'll only find a person of peace by interacting with people. All right? Your, your person of peace isn't the person who you talk to, and they're going, and I really appreciate what Hayes said, because I'm cut from that same bolt, which is, you don't want to study the Bible? Let me shake the dust off. No, no, no. The person of peace isn't the person that's just like, yeah, I'll study the Bible with you right now. Okay? The person of peace is somebody that, that as we're going to learn more and more about, is that person of peace is that person that God has been working in their life, and they're going, wow, you want to know what? I've been asking for God to put people in my life. Like, this is great. There's somebody in my life that's going to walk with me now. No matter where my starting point is, it doesn't matter where the starting point is. So the starting point may be three years before they want to study the Bible. But it's the idea of they're going, man, but wow. Man, let's talk. Let's get together. I want to learn how to do this. But we have to have a place of peace. And what's your place of peace? What's the place you do community? All right? Like Alex works in Greenville. Some of you guys work in Greenville, and you're going, wow, at work, it might not. But my neighborhood can be my place of peace, of where I do my community. Like I make it a point. I'm like, honey, this is our place of peace. We're going to get to know every need in this neighborhood. We're going to meet people. We're going to bake brownies. We're going to have them over for dinner. We're going to become friends. We're going to learn about their kids. That's what Jesus told his people to go and do. Go to that town. Get involved with the community. Get a feel for what, what it's funny, some people call it. Get the taste of the place. Get the taste of the community. Understand what they love and what they hate. Okay. Don't go to downtown Clemson and be like, I'm the biggest Gamecock fan in the world. Now, you know, I'm like, come on, you might be. But listen, the taste of the place in Clemson is not USC. It's like going into Tallahassee and you're like, hey, do y'all know this one? The, oh, go Gators. I'm like, OK, listen, you will never find a person of peace. OK, they'll be like, you're an idiot. All right. It's, that's the community. Here's my question is. Every day, where's your Where is your place of peace that you're going to say, that's where I'm going to invest in? It might be the downtown square of Pendleton. It might be your neighborhood. It might be Starbucks itself. It may be whatever it is. It may be downtown around the ice cream shop on Clemson University's campus. 
55 exchange, exchange whatever it is, 55 flavors, whatever it is, one of those. You're going, I'm sitting right here, and I'm going to get to know the people that work there and the people that come here every day. I'm going to learn about their favorite flavor. I'm going to buy some down-and-out student and ice cream. But this is going to be where I do ministry and build community. You know who did this really well? And if you haven't heard this, you need to really sit down and talk with her. Lauren Munns. If you haven't heard, and she isn't like broadcasting it everywhere. She's like, I love the story, but she's like, you know what? My sorority hasn't had a Bible study in it for years. And they're like, does anybody want to do it? She's like, I don't know how to do it, but I guess I'll do it. Dude, that's going. I'm like, I don't know. I could could wreck people. (laughs) Right? And then as she tells her story of community, she starts talking about and then like befriending people. And all of a sudden, people that don't want to come, but I'm, I'm becoming a part of their community and a part of their world. Now they're like, hey, can I come out to that? I mean, it is like textbook Matthew 10. All right. Because she said, I found my place of peace. And now I'm going to go find my person of peace. And I'm going to proclaim the gospel, but I'm going to go in to serve. Your place of peace has to be a place where you go and serve. Okay. Where's your place of peace? Who's your person of peace? The principle here that he gives in Matthew 10 is freely you've received. Okay. This is, make, this is what makes it not a religious activity. Freely you've received. You know who else has done this? I just, this just kind of came into my mind. is Ryan out in Texas. Like if you, and talk to Ryan about this too. Is the community that he's built in Texas. The ministry where he's like, this is my place of peace in Texas. And I'm going to find a person of peace. And I'm going to serve and interact and do. That is ma- that's what Jesus is saying. People, that's what I want my church to look like. Where is that going to be? He says, freely you've received. This is vital for us. There's some practicals here. How strongly do we, like, like grab onto all of the ways that God has given to us. Who has God sent to you? Like think of the people that it took to get me and you even around the Bible, even into the Madron Center, even into some soul talk or Bible study or something like that. How many people and who was it that God is like, I didn't forget about you. I'm going to freely give. How, how many times... Were me and you knuckleheads, and God still was like, no, 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 come on, I'm going to let you keep reading the Bible. Anybody here ever been a knucklehead before, spiritually? Before, like, you know, even as you were studying the Bible, maybe, and coming around, anybody here not look completely perfect? Anybody here not being complete? Has that ever happened to you, where you were so rotten, and people were like, I love you? Right, and he's going, Freely we've received. Now freely give. That's the method of going into your place of peace is going, wow. You know that that person, kind of like what India brought up, that person is just kind of like, man, how many times was I that person to people? And God was going, no, 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 no. Love her. Love him. Look at, don't mark that on their account. Give them a break. How many times did that happen in our lives? And he's saying, now freely give. Does that sound different than evangelism has been in your life? Does Matthew, does that sound different 
than what you've done because most of us are used to an activity. Jesus just shared a worldview, a lifestyle, a purpose, a job even of Paul even going, man, I would love, man, I'd love to go all over the place. And, and I'm not, what I don't want to, if you go on vacation, it's cool, okay? I mean, don't get all like, oh, God, <laughs> I'm this cool trip plan. Chris like, well, I was in Spain. <laughs> Does that mean I'm not saved anymore? <laughs> you know? Understand what I'm saying is the heart of what Paul was is I want to see God work and God glorified, and I want to love him so deeply and help other people do the same that I will put off what I want to do to make sure that happens. That's a, that's a heart issue right there. Freely you've received, freely give. I'm going to share with you one prayer, and this is one of the things I put in my prayer journal, to pray consistently. Pray that God, pray to, to find the person that God is working in their life already. Okay, what, what do I mean by that? Sometimes we think the minute I come up, let's say Liz is at the coffee shop and she's obviously a heathen, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, she looks like she could be a person of peace. She's totally lost and <laughs> demon possessed as well. So let me go do what Jesus said. So I sit down, you know, um, and, and the, oftentimes what goes through my mind is God began working in Liz's life when I went and talked to her. Like, don't laugh too hard now. <laughs> don't, don't laugh too hard, okay? Because that's, so, that's sometimes what we believe. It's like, isn't it great when God started working in your life when I talked to you? Instead of going, hold on a minute, God is working in people's lives. And we've got to figure out, God, let me join you in your work. Like, point me to the person and bring that person into my life that you're already working in. So when I show up, they're like, oh, this is kind of weird. You think, wow, that doesn't happen too often. It happens more times than you think. Yeah. Okay, and some of you experienced that even this semester where you've gone, okay, I'm going to start praying that. And you've gone and met somebody and they've gone, I've been praying for God to send someone to me. Okay, the harvest is plentiful. All right, where's our place of peace? Praying to find a person of peace. Okay, and God says, when you find that person of peace, you do not leave them. Amen. Okay. Gone are the days, hopefully, of going, man, I'm studying the Bible with 14 people. That's a byproduct of 2080 Christianity. Man, we expect, man, 20 people better baptize because 80 people ain't. Jesus doesn't know that theology. Jesus doesn't know that plan. Jesus doesn't say, go find six households and then spread yourself so thin you can't possibly give to any of them. He says, when every one of my followers finds a person of peace, y'all don't have to have 14 people you're trying to meet the needs for. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have, it's not 2080, it's, it's 100%. All right? And so that's what's important. Hopefully those are the days when we go, hold on a minute. I found the person of peace and I'm staying with your family. I am walking with y'all. Okay? And, and in order to do that, we've got to scatter seeds. We've yeah. got to talk, we've got to communicate. We've got to kind of understand, like, okay, hey, does this, can I invite this person to church? Maybe now it's not the time to invite them to church. Maybe I need to just serve them now. And we've got to think and pray and be guided by the Holy Spirit. Okay, Matthew 10, right there.